Talk to my friend Drew Allen. And I'll tell you what, he's a tough guy. A millennial conservative. I've, I've become a big fan of One your writing. One of the great young thinkers of our time. Appreciate his opinion. Conservative Drew Allen. As die-hard conservative to this guy for wisdom. I have a very, very bad feeling that things are going to get so much worse in this country before the 2024 uh, presidential election. I hate to come out of the gate. I really do. I hate to do this and come off so negative. But if this is true, what I'm going to get to later in the show, uh, there is a Pulitzer Prize winning journalist, investigative journalist, who just released a bombshell. I I think it's about 5,000 words. I read it on his Substack. But this is somebody who was employed by the New York Times. This is somebody who actually, he, he, he won the Pulitzer in 1970 for his expose on the massacre in My Lai, Vietnam. And if what he wrote is true, we could be on the precipice, actually, of, of World War III. You have heard so many people talk about it, so much so that it seems impossible, absurd. I, I, I am telling you right now, This administration is going to get a lot of people killed. I am being deadly serious right now. That is my concern. I'll get to that story in a minute. First, we got to go through this State of the Union address. Look, there were two State of the Union addresses last night. Did you know that? Did you know? That's right. There were actually two State of the Unions. One is the one that I watched. One State of the Union was the one that you watched, the one that we watched. Or if you didn't watch it, maybe you read my recap of it on my Substack. And then there was a second State of the Union, which was very different from the one that you saw with your own eyes, very different from the one that you heard with your own ears. It was the one that the media apparently saw. That's right. That's right. It was very different. The one the media saw, you see... The State of the Union address that I watched, I'll just speak for myself. Um, the one that was real, by the way. Uh, Biden was Biden. He was, he made a fool of himself. He embarrassed our nation. He lied through his teeth. He was not a leader. He was partisan. He was divisive. That's the one I saw. A bumbling, doddering fool who showed his age showed that he should not be president, showed how unqualified he was. He disgraced the presidency, and he does this every time he goes out. I mean, he has just totally defiled, if you will, the Oval Office, the Oval Orifice, where apparently, look, hey, hey, Captain, before I get into this, there is a pile of gold a pile of gold waiting for the brave patriot working in the Biden administration who is willing to write the tell-all book of the behind-the-scenes reality of this administration. Pull up photo one, Captain. Before the speech even started, you had fake Dr. Jill with the EDD, not the PhD, fake Jill You had her make a beeline when she entered the hall to Doug Imhoff, or whatever his last name is, the husband of Kamala Harris. And they locked lips. 
They kissed lip to lip. And this is, not, I'm not playing with angles here. I saw the video. I've seen it from 100 angles. If you're watching, this is just the photo that I happened to put up so you could see it if you weren't aware of this. But is this not the bizarrest thing in the world? You have the first lady of the United States of America kissing on the lips the second gentleman. Now I'm beginning to understand why Kamala seems so upset all the time. She's uh, forlorn and rejected multiple times. I mean, Willie Brown did this to her in San Francisco. Now she's got her husband locking lips with Jill Biden. And look, I'm not a big fan of Kamala Harris, but I don't think that Jill Biden is an upgrade. For Joe, I mean. I mean, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to be crude and, you know, any of that stuff here. But, but you know, if I was to pick one and just, just by, based on looks, I'd go with Kamala definitely over Jill. For sure. 100%. I, I wouldn't want either to talk to me. But, you know, if I was just going to stare at their faces or whatever, you know, I, I'd go with her. She's a little younger and everything. Else, but that's not my point. The media, of course, is absent on this. Can you imagine, by the way, if, if a, well, during the Trump administration, Remember how they used to make fun of Mike Pence? Because Mike Pence said that he wouldn't go and sit down at a, at a, at a restaurant, for example, with a woman who wasn't his wife without his, his wife in, in, there. And the left attacked him. They ridiculed him. They made fun of him for being a Christian, that he's so, oh, he can't control himself. That wasn't the point. And actually, most people don't feel that way, and that's okay. But I actually think that's admirable. And I don't admire much about Mike Pence these days, by the way. But I'm just going back and I'm reminding people that the left did that to him. They made fun of him for that. But so imagine Mike Pence uh, making a beeline for uh, Melania Trump or vice versa. Imagine Melania Trump making a beeline for Mike Pence and kissing him on the lips. You think the media would ignore that or would they start to scratch their heads and dig around and wonder what was going on within the Trump administration? Maybe there was sneaking around, some sneaking around in the halls of the White House, some funny business. You know, maybe there's more to this story. Anyway, they, they don't care about this, but this is bizarre. This is bizarre. And as, as I looked around that room, I just saw a bunch of moral and intellectual inferiors who don't belong there, who are defiling Congress, defiling the United States of America, who, who, who actually... I mean, it was it was just a situation that made me sick to my stomach. All these people so detached from the world that we live in. Just power hungry, rubbing elbows without a concern in the world for we the people. And that's what is going on in America. That's the problem. All of these people have violated their oaths of office to protect and defend the Constitution. Instead, they somehow believe it's their job to defile the Constitution as well. Defile is a big word today. I'm saying it many times. I don't know why. Sometimes a word gets in your brain and you can't get rid of it. Don't play a drinking game with me with defile. You've, if you played a drinking game with the State of the Union, I hope you're out of the hospital by now. So look, you know, the one that media watched was, was absolutely, couldn't be far, well, it was propaganda the way they say it. But look, the media, the, 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 the State of the Union that they claimed that they saw, I mean, Biden was great. He was brilliant. I mean, this guy was Genghis Khan. He was so ferocious. He was such a strong leader. The smartest president in American history. And they claimed this was an enormous victory for Joe Biden. 
They claim the Republicans made fools of themselves. And I mean about the media. They do not report on reality. None of them are reporters. None of them are journalists. They are propagandists. And this is the definition of a propagandist. They don't seek to, to show you reality, report on reality. They seek to create an alternate reality. And that's what they're doing. That's what they're doing. And this has me so frustrated in general with this administration that gets away with things that no president in American history has ever gotten away with. Before I get into this, I just read a story before I came on here. You know, um, Comer, a Republican on one of these committees in the House, well, he is investigating the Hunter Biden stuff and the corruption. And I mean, there's so many scandals. It's crazy that we, we, we forget them all. I mean, Remember this scandal on top of everything else? Joe Biden, I mean, Hunter Biden, the painter, right? Hunter Biden, Picasso himself, never took in a, never taken a, 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 a art class, a finger painting class in his entire life. He's an expert with a crack pipe, but not until, you know, Biden became president did he decide to finally pick up a paintbrush. And he's selling these, these paintings for six figures, which, by the way, very famous, well-known artists who are very talented have trouble getting that kind of sum of money. Well, Comer wants to have the art dealer come in and testify before a, a committee and tell and reveal who the purchasers are of this. We don't even know how many pieces have been purchased, but we know that these paintings have been purchased and they're to anonymous buyers. And he doesn't want to do it. And the administration, remember, part of the deal that they made when, when Hunter Biden decided to become Picasso and pursue this dream of his to become a painter was that these, these names would remain anonymous. I mean, I, there is so much corruption here in front of our faces. It just stinks to high heaven. There's a mound of it, you know, as big as the, 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 the Triceratops in Jurassic Park laid when they're digging in there, right? That's what we're looking at. Steaming pile of, of, of Biden crap. Anyway, I just, let's just get off to the races here. Enough of, enough of that rambling. Cut one, Captain. I want you to hear Michael Beschloss uh, over on MSNBC. This is how he described um, Joe Biden's State of the Union address. Go ahead. I'm feeling great. That was a wonderful speech. Uh, he was, didn't you think he was sort of Mr. Smooth? This guy has been in national politics for 50 years. You don't, don't always see the result of that, but you sure saw it tonight. He was elegant. He was civilized. He was conciliatory. He was reasonable. And, and maybe most of all, he, was, he, he sounded like a centrist, which is exactly mm-hmm. where he wants to be. And after this performance tonight, and I don't know if everyone stayed on to listen to Governor Huckabee. Oh, wow. Okay. It was a wonderful speech. Michael Beschloss says on MSNBC, uh, didn't you think he was Mr. Smooth? Well, I, I don't know. I don't think we were watching the same speech. Get cut two ready, Captain. Um, here's Joe Biden. Uh, he's introducing, of course, congratulating, because we had a, a changing of the guard, right, with the election. So uh, in the House, of course, uh, we have a majority now. So... Um, uh, uh, and, and, and anyway, play, play the clip. I just want you to hear it. I don't need to say any more introduction. Here's Biden, Mr. Smooth himself. And congratulations to Chuck Schumer, another, uh, 
you know, another term as Senate Minority Leader, uh, you know, I think you, uh, only this time you have a slightly bigger majority, Mr. Leader, and you're the majority leader. About that much bigger? Mr. Smooth. Chuck Schumer is the majority leader, was the majority leader previously, and Joe Biden, before he even gets into his speech, congratulations. Minority leader, Chuck Schumer. Very, very smooth, Michael Beschloss. I, I, I can see exactly what you're seeing. Now, let's get cut three ready. He says he's civilized. Now, Joe Biden, by the way, if I was to describe this speech, I mean, he, he kind of just vacillated between mumbling, bumbling, incoherence, and this bizarre outrage, bizarre, violent, almost, anger. And it was, of course, completely incomprehensible why he would respond this way. It didn't make any sense in the context of the speech. But here's Mr. Civilized himself. Cut three, go. Let's be clear. Winning the competition should unite all of us. We face serious challenges across the world. But in the past two years, democracies have become stronger, not weaker. Autocracy has grown weaker, not stronger. Name me a world leader who changed places with Xi Jinping. Name me one. Name me one. America's rallying the world to meet those challenges from climate to global health to food insecurity to terrorism to territorial aggression. Allies are stepping up, spending more and doing more. Does that seem like a guy with his head screwed on straight? Does that seem like a, you know, Mr. Smooth, Mr. Civilized, screaming when it makes absolutely no sense to do so in the speech? I'm telling you, you see what I'm, you see what the media does here? They create a fantasy land and they feed it to their Democrat voters out there and they repeat these talking points. There was nothing civilized about Joe Biden who blamed Republicans. Look, he brought Paul Pelosi, invited him into the house so that he could make an example of Paul for his little uh, politicization to, to accuse Republicans of being these violent domestic terrorists who are responsible for the violence that took place in terms of the hammer incident with Paul Pelosi. Oh, yes, Mr. Conciliatory, Mr. Reach Across the Aisle. Remember J6, everyone? I just want to remind all of you while I'm sitting here, try to remember my lines and read this, this, this teleprompter. Those people sitting over there, they're domestic terrorists. Okay, I'll continue with my speech now. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Biden is such a, a gem. Now, he says he's reasonable. Michael Beschloss says he saw a reasonable person at that State of the Union. I did not see a reasonable person. But, you know, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe Michael's just smarter than me. Maybe he has better eyesight. I don't know. I have 2015 vision with my contacts, of course. But, you know, I don't know. Maybe he saw something I didn't. Um, he sounded like a centrist. Reasonable sounded like a centrist. Uh, cut four, go. Join us tonight is Brandon Say, a 26-year-old hero. Brandon put his college dreams on hold to be at his mom's side. His mom sighed when she was dying from cancer. And Brandon... Brandon now works at the dance studio started by his grandparents. And two weeks ago, during the Lunar New Year celebrations, he heard the studio door close, and he saw a man standing there pointing semi-automatic pistol at him. He thought he was going to die. 
but he thought about the people inside. And in that instant, he found the courage to act and wrestle the semi-automatic pistol away from the gunman who had already killed 11 people in another dance studio. 11. He saved lives. It's time we do the same. Ban assault weapons now. Ban them now. Once and for all. Well, there you go again. This is a guy who is completely mentally unstable. One moment he's introducing Brandon Say, who I'm not knocking this 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 kid, by the way. Uh, he was a hero what he did wrestling that uh, handgun away from a, a killer. But, you know, Joe Biden chose to exploit that to pursue his gun agenda, anti-gun agenda, anti-Second Amendment agenda. And in one moment, he's talking about, hey, this guy is such a hero. Look what he did. Uh, you know, guns are the problem. Ban them now. Ban them. I mean, there, there's something wrong, and we know what it is. He's got the dementia shuffle. He's got the dementia shuffle. If you watched him walking into uh, the beast there to get to uh, Congress, uh, people who are in the know understand what that walk looks like. Shorter steps, um, very problematic. But of course, we're not allowed to talk about this because the media tells us everything's fine with Joe Biden. His wife is making out with uh, the vice president's husband uh, in the middle of Congress. We're, you know, But you know, nothing to see here. Nothing to see here at all. So... I don't know. Last time I checked, a, a centrist, somebody who was reasonable, wasn't calling for banning guns. Now, notice in that example, I have been telling people this. You probably know it. I don't mean to preach to the choir. But this is how the Democrats operate. Their goal was never to seize AR-15s. They don't care about AR-15s. They are always just trying to come up with some arbitrary uh, uh, gun, some category, so they can get the ball rolling. Let me explain it this way. When they talk about assault, remember it used to be assault rifles, right? Usually you'd hear about, we need an assault rifle ban. And in fact, when he talks about the assault rifle ban that took place under Clinton and then was allowed to expire, well, he's not talking about even assault rifles. He's talking about assault weapons. In the instance that he's talking about here with with this young man who wrestled a semi-automatic handgun away from the mass murder, he didn't have a semi-automatic rifle. He had a handgun. That was the weapon of choice. And the, the fact of the matter is, in mass shootings, in general with gun crime in this nation, handguns are responsible for most of the murders. Rifles are a small fraction in comparison. They want all your guns. Remember 15 days to slow the spread, right? It's just 15 days to slow the spread. And we've got to do it because we've got to save lives, right? That's what we heard. And it sounded reasonable. And a lot of people were bamboozled. That's how we got to this point. That's how we got to this entire economic mess. That's how we got Joe Biden as president in many ways. Because 15 days to slow the spread. It's reasonable. And then as soon as we all said, okay, that's reasonable, 15 days before the 15 days was up, what happened? Well, actually, we need to extend this longer than 15 days. And as a matter of fact, we need to create additional mandates. We need to lock down harder for longer. And then it lasted two years in many places. This is what they're doing with the handguns. They want you to buy the premise. The premise, the false premise being 
hey, we've got to do something to save lives here. And all we're talking about, look, we're just talking about these 246 weapons. By the way, when they talk about this ban, there's a list, you can find it. I don't know if it's accurate in terms of being up to date, but they put this out there. Um, Focahontas, I think, has a list out there. Um, it, it's, I think it's honestly, it, it's over 100 weapons. It includes guns. It includes rifles. And, and most of the things that they want to make sure that they're banning, they've, they've never even been used in one of these instances. In fact, many of these weapons on the list, I mean, they're obscure. You wouldn't even know what they are unless you were some kind of uh, gun aficionado. So this is the 15 days. It's, it's common sense gun control. Look, they already passed the red flag laws and so on and so forth, which we know that don't even prevent any shootings because in most of these instances, they have these red flag laws in place. Look at, you know, I heard, Captain, this is so infuriating to me that they get away with this. Gavin Newsom, of course, who wants to out-liberal the worst liberal. That's his, his, his quest. I mean, he looks out there and he sees who's saying the most insane thing. I think he saw the State of the Union last night and he got excited a little bit, kind of like, uh, you know, an insurrection in his pants or something like that. And he said, oh, I got to outdo Joe Biden. So he comes out, of course, and he talks about he was hitting Sarah Huckabee Sanders because uh, her state of Arkansas does have a, a high violent crime problem. They rank near the top. Now, while, while uh, Gavin Newsom is out there saying, oh, look at Sarah Huckabee Sanders mocking her in, in Arkansas because she's pro-Second Amendment. Look at all the gun violence. Look at all the crime. Well, do you know what state, and it's not even close, do you know what state has the most mass shootings in America? California. California. This Ooh, I want to curse so bad. This mother plucker, this mother plucker, Gavin Newsom, has the gall to put that out there while his own state, with the most strict gun control laws in all the country, we actually, in California, beat everybody. That's a fact. We've got 100 gun laws, and we have the most mass shootings. So I would love for some reporter, some journalist out there, someone with a couple of brain cells to come back and fire back and ask Gavin Newsom, well, I understand that you're attacking Sarah Huckabee Sanders here because she's pro-Second Amendment and there are, and those rights are protected in Arkansas and there's a crime problem. But in your state, where you claim that you want to take all guns away and you have the strictest gun control, well, why is it that you have the most mass shootings and she's not even on the list? Can you explain that one, Gavin? Of course not. Of course not. So, all right. Anyway, but that's my point. He wants to ban assault weapons. What is an assault weapon? Someone tell me what an assault weapon is. What is it? Uh, How about a pencil? If I stab you with a pencil, is that an assault pencil? How about an assault knife? Knives kill are used to kill far more people in murders than guns, by the way. Assault rifles, if you will. That's right. More knives are used to kill people than so-called assault rifles. Why don't we ban the knives? Why don't we ban the assault SUVs, the assault cars? This is such a ludicrous... And again, you know, we have a Second Amendment, right? So it, it, the, even having this conversation is crazy because we're accepting their premise to begin with. So don't do that. 
All right, so anyway, here is Nancy Pelosi, right? Nancy Pelosi, who says now, I heard her latest line. She says, I was an extremely powerful woman. Now I'm an extremely influential woman because she's no longer the Speaker of the House, right? I mean, this person, these people are so arrogant. They believe they are so much more important than you and me. They do not view themselves as servants. They just want to dictate to you how to live your life. That's what they're born to do. Just shut up and listen to Nancy. Look how good she looks. If she can do plastic surgery like that and be 80 plus years old, why shouldn't she be able to tell everyone what to do with every aspect of their life? I mean, just look at her face. Remember that eyebrow incident with the caterpillar eyebrows crawling off her face? I mean, just look at her. She's a genius. Just listen to Nancy. If you listen to Nancy and do what she says and let her make decisions for you, you too can be as happy as Nancy in a marriage with a man who might be batting for the other team. Okay. Uh, yeah, play cut five, Captain. Here's Nancy Pelosi. She saw the same speech I did, came to a different conclusion. Joe Biden is a, a person of vision, knowledge, judgment, strategic thinking to get the job done. He was a remarkable two years, a remarkable two years, and again, connects very empathetically with the American people. So I I hope he runs. I'm for him if he runs. And I know that the Democrats will fully embrace him. If he runs, it's over. If he runs, it's over. So according to Nancy, based on what she saw at that State of the Union address, Joe Biden is a person of vision, a person of knowledge, a person of judgment, strategic thinking. Now, imagine saying that he's all these things after he just tried to cover up the Chinese military balloon incident that just traveled across the United States for seven days. Uh, And actually, a majority of Democrats agree that that was handled the wrong way, that Joe Biden was incompetent in his dealing with that, but not to Nancy, not to Nancy. Joe Biden's just such a brilliant genius. And I'm just going to let the cat out of the bag. I'm not going to address the whole story now, but this Pulitzer Prize winner that I led the show with, that I am scared to death that this administration's going to get a lot of Americans killed. Well, he just put out a 5,000-page article that the Biden administration blew up the Nord Stream pipeline. Remember? Remember the Russians came out and said it was the Americans, and we were awfully silent. Awfully silent. And we scratched our heads, and it didn't seem impossible, but we didn't think too much of it. Well, according to him, he spoke to a source. Look, I read this thing. It is detailed. It is substantial. And I'll get into it more. But I want you to think about this for just a second to put this in context. A Chinese spy balloon just entered U.S. airspace. And it floated across Montana, surveilling our nuclear sites and air bases. And most of us understand that that's a pretty serious act of aggression. So serious, in fact, that Secretary of Blinken at least canceled his unannounced trip on Friday, right? I mean, even the leftist media acknowledged that this was problematic before they tried to shift gears and make excuses by saying Trump did it too, which was a lie. So you just had this happen here. And we all know that if we did the same thing to China, they would shoot it down in an instant. 
They wouldn't care if it was over Beijing. They wouldn't care if it was over the most populous city. They'd shoot it down. I'm not saying we should have done that over New York City. It didn't fly over New York City. We didn't even have that issue to begin with. But if this is true, and the United States of America and our Navy blew up the Nord Stream pipeline, that could be perceived as an act of war. We're upset about the balloon, as we should be. Now imagine if the Russians, the Russians, imagine if they blew up one of our big pipe systems that delivers natural gas within the U.S. How would we respond to that? How would we feel about that? Would, be, would that be a big deal? Yeah, this is a very big deal. I'll get to it more later. So a person of knowledge, a person of knowledge, a person of so much knowledge, according to Nancy Pelosi, uh, you know, that he didn't understand that Chuck Schumer was the Senate majority leader. And he's a visionary, right? A strategic thinker, a strategic thinker who is trying to ensure that we're involved in a Western conflict, a World War III that has Europe embroiled and America. Yes, that's very strategic. I feel very safe as Biden with Biden as president. But, you know, don't pay attention to any of this stuff if you're a Democrat or the media. Joe Biden's just a great guy. Nothing matters. Nothing matters. Play cut six. This is how strategic he is. Uh, this is Biden's solution to the fentanyl deaths. So let's launch a major surge to stop fentanyl production and the sale and trafficking with more drug detection machines, inspection cargo, stop pills and powder. At the border. Working with couriers like FedEx to inspect more packages for drugs. Strong penalties to crack down on fentanyl trafficking. Well, there you have it. Now, to me, this was one of the most egregious moments in his pathetic performance at the State of the Union. And I'll tell you why. More than 100,000 Americans die in any 12-month period since Joe Biden has been in the office. That's 100,000 American lives lost because of fentanyl overdoses. The fentanyl is all coming across the Mexican border, the southern border. And the cartels are making the fentanyl from chemicals that they are buying from the Chinese. So the Chinese are selling the chemicals to the cartels, the cartels are making the fentanyl in Mexico. They're smuggling it across our open border and 100,000 American lives are dying purely as a result of this open border and the smuggling of fentanyl into our border. That's Joe Biden's fault. That's happening because of him. Those deaths are on his hands. They are. Look, the, you know, and give me a break. The left tried to say that, that Donald Trump was responsible for every COVID death in America. BS. Even though, of course, more people died of COVID under Joe Biden than Donald Trump. And then that, you know, the narrative just went awry. Oh, what do we do? Let's move on to the next thing. But this guy had the audacity. And I'll tell you what. So he invited and exploited a father named Doug. Doug had, I think she was a 22-year-old daughter. He told the story. 
who died of a fentanyl overdose. So he brings up the fact that there's a fentanyl problem in America, which is his fault. And then his solution is not to secure the border. In fact, he blames Congress, blames Republicans for the border crisis, but by saying there's nothing he can do about it. He needs Congress to act. When he has been abusing, when he has been aiding and abetting these illegals to violate the policies in this country, flying them into the interior of the country, inviting them in, Mayorkas, for example, going along with this, who should also be impeached. So he has the audacity to introduce this man, talk about the fentanyl deaths, and then the solution he gives with all his brilliance is, well, you know, we should work with FedEx and have them pay more people and spend more time and energy opening up more packages to see if there's fentanyl inside. Have you heard of a dumber person in your life? A stupider solution to anything? Close the border, Joe. That's the solution. You want to stop fentanyl deaths? Close the border and prevent the cartels and illegals from coming in here and bringing it inside. It's not all coming in in, uh, FedEx packages, Joe. They don't need to do that. They just carry it across. Probably in their backpack. Unbelievable. That angered me, Captain. Angered me. The disrespect, the exploitation, the lies. And that's all this speech was, by the way, lies. So here's another solution. So we've got inflation in December was 6.5%. And we know, and that was another lie that Joe Biden told, by the way. He said, um, he said inflation has fallen every month for the last six months while take-home pay has gone up. Now, that's technically true. Inflation has fallen every month for the last six months because Last June or July, it was over 9%. Now it's 6.5%. Take-home pay has gone up. Well, what's the problem with this? Take-home pay, wage growth, has not outpaced inflation. And so actually, Americans are making less money today than they were when Joe Biden took office because of his inflation. So anyway, we've got a problem. We know it. Everything's... Everything's going to hell in America. The economy is not strong, despite his lies. Everyone knows it. Everyone feels it. You cannot afford eggs in this country still. And this guy is trying to act like everything's peachy. Everything's great. Never been better. So to address inflation, to address the economy, this, this is what Biden thinks Americans need. Go ahead and play cuts, cut seven. We're going to ban surprise resort fees. That hotels charge on your bill. Those fees can cost up to $90 a night at hotels that aren't even resorts. <laughs> we, the idea. Well, there you have it. You know, Americans, uh, their greatest concern is, you know, when they take their families on vacations in this economy, because everyone, of course, is just dying, you know, rushing to take their family to Hawaii for a week. Those families are concerned with the resort fees they're going to pay. So that's, that's the big solution. We got, we got all these problems in the economy. And his big idea is to force resorts to, 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 
to be unable or make it unlawful somehow for them to, to charge you a fee. I mean, is this guy an idiot? Yes is the answer to that question. Yes is the answer to that question. I mean, I know I'm fired up today. I cannot help it. I, I just cannot help it. it. It's a combination of listening to him and his stupidity and then the way I'm doing this show to make a point of showing how the left is is treating this speech like it was some brilliant thing when we just heard the dumbest, the dumbest quote-unquote non-solutions ever for these problems that don't even exist. One of his other solutions, you know, he has this junk fee bill he's proposing that we pass. So if you go to a concert, you know, when you buy tickets, there's like a $2.50 fee or a $5 fee. Ooh, well, he's going to get rid of that for the American out there. He doesn't want to make you to pay that $5 to go to the concert because, you know, that's the reason you can't pay your rent. It's not the cost of energy. It's not the cost of heating your home. It's not the fact that interest rates have made it impossible for you to get a mortgage to even buy a home and own anything in this country. It's certainly not the fact that inflation is eating up your wages so that you're making less money because wage growth isn't keeping up with it. No, no, it's none of those things. It's the $2.50 fee added to your concert tickets. It's the $90 fee per night at a resort in Hawaii that costs $1,000 a night to stay at anyway. That's the big concern for American citizens in this country, says Joe Biden. Play, play cut eight. I think this was my favorite of his because Joe Biden, of course, has never actually worked a, a day in his life. He's never really had a real job. He's just been uh, pimping out the United States of America and his son to enrich his family off the backs, taxpayer uh, off of our backs. And so this is what he says is the problem. He's, he's, he's addressing this. Play, play cut eight, Captain. Go. So a cashier at a burger place can't walk across town and take the same job at another burger place and make a few bucks more. It just changed. But they just changed it because we exposed it. That was part of the deal, guys. Look it up. But not anymore. My friends, it is, it's so obvious why we're in the heap of trouble we're in, is it not? I mean, the guy just lies, make, look it up. What is he talking about? And, and I have another question. These speeches go through two dozen hands before they actually get to the teleprompter for him to speak. Who are the people in his administration who were equally as stupid as Joe Biden, who think that this is something that should be in the speech? Or is Joe Biden actually writing his speech as they claim? Maybe so, if he's got a line like this in it, Joe Biden. You know, I, I can imagine the debate, you know, while his wife's in the corner making out with Doug Imhoff or whatever. Well, you know, I really, I really just, Joe, I don't think that's a good idea. I don't think that line, no, no, people need to understand that the reason that what we're going to do for them is, is the non-compete clauses for hourly workers at McDonald's, McDonald's. You know, these, these greedy corporations, these terrible corporations, they're forcing their their $12 an hour fry station workers to sign non-compete clauses that prevent them from ever getting a job at another competing restaurant. That doesn't happen. That does not happen. I mean, I, I just, but you know, Nancy Pelosi, he's a, he's a big strategist, a genius. 
We need to make sure cashiers can go get a job at Chick-fil-A for McDonald's. That's, that's really a problem for them right now because McDonald's is, is chaining these people down. Hourly employees. Unbelievable. Now, cut nine I've got. Cue that up, Captain. Because Biden's brilliant. Remember what our friend uh, whatever said on MSNBC earlier. Um, Biden's brilliant. Well, he invited the family, the parents of Tyree Nichols. And this was also a disgusting display. Um, I'll get into it in a minute. But, you know, the, the, the young man that was killed by those black police officers, his name was Tyree Nichols. And his parents are in the audience. So obviously you would think, you know, Biden would be familiar with this family, right? He'd be familiar with this instance. I mean, it was on national TV. The Democratic Party and the same media that are pretending that Joe Biden gave this brilliant State of the Union address are the same people that tried to make that about white supremacy, even though five black cops killed a black individual. So play cut nine, Captain. Let's commit ourselves to make the words of Tyler's mom true. Something good must come from this. Something good. Did you catch that? Did you catch that? Tyler Nichols. Now imagine you're grieving as these parents absolutely are. They lost their son in a horrific tragedy that unfortunately got national attention and they couldn't escape it. They had to live with this every day. It was blown up in the media. That was their son though. They lost their son. We're sitting here, and Democrats especially are out there politicizing this tragedy, trying to make it about white supremacy and all these things that are irrelevant. Meanwhile, this family's grieving for their son who was just murdered, and the Democrats can't wait to get a hold of these people, exploit them. And they can't get your son's name right at the State of the Union in front of a national audience. I mean, just imagine that you've lost a loved one. Imagine that the president of the United States invites you in and you were touched and moved that he would think of you and he would honor you in some way and that you get to be at the State of the Union and be a part of this and be a part of the solution in America and it's about your son and everyone gets to know what happened to your son and they get his freaking name wrong. Disgusting. Um, I'm going to skip cut 10, Captain. I had Andrea Mitchell, you know, she's out there talking about what Joe Biden did by not taking on China more aggressively was politically courageous. That's right. That's right. They will spin anything. So Biden, by Biden being weak against China, by not taking action against China, by allowing China to sail their little balloon that was surveilling us that could actually carry a bomb as well across the United States. Well, that was Biden showing courage, political courage, political courage. I wonder what Andrea Mitchell has to say about the prospect that Joe Biden was so politically courageous that he blew up the Nord Stream pipeline that prevented Germany and Western Europe from getting cheap gas. Hmm. I don't know. I don't know. Now, everyone's upset with the Republicans for booing, for objecting to Biden's lies. You had Marjorie Taylor Greene. She was booing. And I got to tell you, Captain, I'm not upset about it. I'm not upset about it. I'm not going down this, oh, we should be more, more uh, polite at these things. More polite. 
We're fighting for our nation's survival. Polite needs to go away. This is a fight for, I mean, I can't stress this enough, how significant this moment in American history is, depending on what the Republicans are willing to do or, or what they're not willing to do. We need them to fight. We need them to stand up. So I don't care. You know, this is a president who turned the White House into a circus. He's a president who brought down the station, the, 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 the prestige of the president of the United States, who has embarrassed us, humiliated us, made this country less safe, made it more dangerous for us, made us economically unstable. And I'm supposed to show him respect when he threatens Americans. I wish the unvaccinated, you know, you're going to have a severe in, uh, winter of illness, death, disease. Hey, if you're thinking about coming after the government, you need F-15s and nuclear weapons. Ha ha ha. Meanwhile, I'm also going to take your AR-15s. You don't stand a chance against us, buddy. This guy, this is the guy we're supposed to respect. The guy that lies through his teeth and lied throughout the entire speech about everything. And by the way, the reason the Republicans booed him, the reason it got out of hand is because the, the Republicans knew that Democrats were going to do what they always did with the debt ceiling debate. The Republicans finally have some cojones and Kevin McCarthy has said to Biden, I'm not going to give you a clean debt ceiling increase, which means I'm just going to raise the debt ceiling and that's it. You can spend as much as you want. He's saying, I'm not going to raise the debt ceiling unless you also commit to cutting spending in the government, which is the responsible thing to do. And he knew, and the Republicans knew, that what the Democrats would try to do is the same old tactic they've used for decades. Republicans are going to cut your Social Security. They're going to eliminate Social Security in this debate about the debt ceiling. And so they wanted to come out and make sure that the American people understood that's not what's going on. And so Kevin McCarthy said it. Numerous people said it. They came out and said, Social Security, Medicare, these things are not on the table right now. We're not even talking about them. We're not touching them. That's not what's going to be in these spending cuts that we're demanding with regard to this debt ceiling discussion, right? So what does Joe Biden do? He goes out there and in his speech accuses the Republicans in front of tens of millions of Americans watching the State of the Union of threatening to cut Social Security over the debt ceiling debate. And they're just supposed to sit there and take it? Hell no. And so they booed him. Now, the left is acting like, oh, you know, there's no, there's no respect anymore. The Republicans are a bunch of animals. They're saying horrible things about Marjorie Taylor Greene. Attacking, attacking, attacking. We don't have any respect. Well, here's what Micah Brzezinski said in 2020. Remember when Nancy Pelosi stood up when she was Speaker of the House and she tore up in a premeditated attack, tore up her version her copy of Donald Trump's State of the Union. Remember when that happened? And people, by the way, also walked out in the middle of that State of the Union speech, Democrats. That's right. They got up and walked out. And here's what Micah Brzezinski had to say on this panel discussion about what Nancy Pelosi did and how the Democrats behaved when Donald Trump gave the State of the Union play cut 11 go. 
I mean, she ripped it three times, yeah. holding it up so yeah. you could see exactly yeah. what she was doing, and he did it very slowly. Very. Um, uh, you know, he, he, he spent um, uh, more than an hour stoking his base, and she's got a base to stoke, sure. too. And she had sat there watching as, as members of her caucus, um, and, and not just the squad, but members of other, other members of her caucus stood up and walked out yeah. at various points. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's another factor. She keeps her caucus together. I'm not sure she was throwing shade. I don't think this was about that. I don't think Nancy Pelosi thinks of Twitter and trending. I think she sat there and listened to uh, a pile of lies. And the only way to communicate that visually was to rip up the speech, which was useless because it was full of lies. And she's fed up. Um, I'm not sure what else you can do to point out that this man in front of her, the President of the United States, was not only using the State of the Union as a campaign rally and to play to his base, but was lying to the American people time and time again, over and over again. Well, there you go. It's justified, her behavior, because, you know, all Donald Trump was doing was lying. And it was the only thing she could do to show her disapproval. And the other gentleman before that, you know, hey, she was keeping her caucus together. She's got to appeal to her base. You know, if she has to tear up the speech to make her, pay, her base happy, so be it. Now, speaking of lies, by the way, I just want to go through a couple of these things because Biden lied through his teeth. It was a propaganda speech. He told the same lie we, we expected, that he created 12 million jobs more than any president in two years. Biden created more jobs in two years than any president has in four years in American history. But he didn't create those jobs. He recovered those jobs. That's an outright lie. He did not create 12 million jobs. The point is, all of the claims of success that Joe Biden is pretending to have, they're not a result of his policies. They're a result of the pandemic ending. They're the result of the government taking their boot off of our necks and allowing people to go back to work. I mean, I already told you about the inflation is falling and, and wages are up. Americans are worse off today under Joe Biden. But he wants you to think you're better off and everyone knows it and feels it. He lied about reducing the deficit. He said that he, um, he said in the last two years, my administration has cut the deficit by more than $1.7 trillion, the largest deficit reduction in American history. He didn't cut the deficit. The deficit spending that he keeps talking about and the debt that he blamed Trump for accumulating, which was a lot, was based on pandemic relief, bipartisan bills that should never have been passed because we never should have shut down the economy. But nonetheless, stimulus checks, all of that, that's what those trillions represent. And so when Congress did not, um, didn't authorize additional pandemic relief, well, that shows a $1.7 trillion decrease. In the budget. But the, the, the worst thing about the lie, that's not even just disingenuous, it's a complete lie, is that his other actions and policies are actually going to add more than $4.8 trillion over the next uh, 10 years. So that, that's absolutely not true. This guy spins like a drunken sailor. I mean, he, he, took, he took credit for the unemployment rate, which is at a 50-year low. That's true. 
It's it was recently reported in December, I guess, at just under three, just you know, under three point four percent or just under three point five percent. But the reality is, under Trump in twenty nineteen, it also was at a fifty year low at three point five percent. So I just it's thing after thing after thing. I mean. Gas prices he lied about, no surprise. I mean, he says gas prices are down 150 uh, a gallon since their peak. Well, that's still a 51% increase over when he came into office. I mean, gas was $2.28 a gallon in December of 2020. And a month ago, it was $3.45. So... You know, it's just so sick. And even the even the statement he made, by the way, about democracies being on the rise and authoritarian regimes being on the decline, that's not true either. That's actually a lie. <clears throat> There's a um, an organization out there that reported on this and they, they fact-checked it and said it's not true. I'm just trying to find the numbers. It's not that big a deal. I mean, the, the, you get the point how much he's lied. But anyway, I want you to play Cut 12, Captain. This is Joe Scarborough also, right, who's who's talking about how terrible Republicans are for their behavior. And this is Joe Scarborough um, coming in next to his wife, Micah Brzezinski, and co-host, also talking about Pelosi and what she did tearing up Trump's State of the Union. Go. This is all lies. I will say, of all the Democratic responses I have seen in my lifetime, that was the most effective. Yes. Uh, and, it, you know, we, I guess we, we can debate back and forth whether it was good uh, for civility this time. I've just got to say politically, just politically. And I'm usually the one saying, hey, you need to reach out to the center. You need to reach out to disaffected Republicans. Donald Trump is a bully. Democrats, I've got to say, Democrats just seem so weak. There doesn't seem to be a tough Democrat on the national level, other than Nancy Pelosi, and yes, Chuck Schumer's tough too, but but Nancy Pelosi is the leader of the Democratic Party right now, and when you are being bullied, and when a bully stands in your house and lies and spreads lies, not only to everybody that is in your house, the people's house, I, I give her I give her some leeway to make a point if she wants to about again, historians will record that as lies, almost all of it lies. So uh, not for for a Democratic Party that yesterday proved they were too inept to even run an election, yeah. it's, I think it's okay for Nancy Pelosi to show a little grit and toughness. Well, when Nancy Pelosi did that, she showed grit and toughness. He thought that was a great idea for her politically, for the Democrats, no problem at all. And they booed Trump during that speech as well. So, I mean, the, the media in this country is an absolute joke. Do not, I mean, I don't, I don't take anything they say seriously. They're just a bunch of morons, a bunch of frauds with no standards at all. I mean, you know, you, you, you've got Biden out there attacking corporations left and right, attacking everyone as it making them scapegoats when, in fact, he's the one responsible for it. I mean, it's like what he's done with oil companies. He's out there condemning them because they made record profits. 
and that they didn't invest in drilling for more oil when he's the one who has prevented them from drilling from oil, not just verbally by signaling to them that he's going to put them out of business, which no company is going to invest in more of that if they're told in 10 years we want to get away from oil and gas. But this is what he does. I mean, he makes these boogeymen out there, and this is what Democrats do. This is their strategy. And, and I just can't believe that so many Americans fall for it. It's so obvious. I mean, like, for example, he, he, he told the lie, for example, that his tax plan or whatever, you know, nobody um, making less than $400,000 is going to get a tax increase. And, you know, and, it, and also, you know, he said that the IRS, these 87,000 IRS agents, they're only going to go after the ultra rich. Well, I've got this sheet of paper in front of me. It's Fox News, Thomas Catnachi reporting. Here's the headline. Biden, Biden's IRS plans to crack down on waiters' tips. Hey, you stupid Democrats out there that are voting for Joe Biden and falling for this crap. Are you the rich? If you're a waiter relying on tips, oh, that's a, that's a conspiracy theory, a conspiracy theory. The 87,000 IRS agents, they're definitely needed to go after the 600 billionaires in America. Yeah, that's right. We need 87,000 IRS agents to go after the 600 billionaires or 700 billionaires in America. Well, here you go. Another conspiracy theory proven accurate. So, they're coming after waitresses' tips now. Tax expert Mike Pallas says the IRS proposed a revenue procedure this week to crack down on the service industry's reporting of tips. The Service Industry Tip Compliance Agreement, SITCA, program would be a voluntary tip reporting system in which the IRS and service industry companies cooperate. That's how it begins. You think this is going to remain voluntary? So we know how service members make their money. It's not through their hourly wage. You work at a nice restaurant like where I live here in the Napa Valley. Those people are making more than $100,000 a year because they're tipped and they're not paying taxes on those tips. It's cash mainly. Now, you can't really get away with it so well when they, you know, put it on the credit card. That ends up getting reported. But that's why people prefer cash tips. And so the IRS is already putting out, putting a system in place in which they say, hey, that money belongs to Uncle Sam. Uh-uh-uh. Uh-uh-uh. You're a, uh, you know, you're working at Starbucks and they put a hundred bucks in that jar at the end of the day. And uh-uh-uh. Hey, uh, management, we need a piece of that hundred bucks. So here you go. There you go. And honestly, Captain, I just can't understand for the life of me again why these Democrats think that taking money from a billionaire or millionaire is going to make them rich themselves. That money's not going in your pocket. And this idea, you know, you know, Biden's celebrating raising taxes on, on corporate entities, right? He already did it to 15% minimum tax or whatever on billion-dollar corporations. Well, they're taking money from the company that could be invested. How is, how is raising taxes on a corporation and taking more of their profits, how is that putting money in your paycheck if you're an employee? Someone answer that for me. It's not. It's not. All right. Look, 
Seymour Hirsch, the Pulitzer Prize winning journalist I was talking about, he published this at his Substack. He cites a source with direct knowledge of the operational handling, planning behind the alleged plot. Of course, the White House and CIA have flatly rejected the report on Wednesday. Of course, I mean, they say it's not true. It's not true. You mean the same intel people that told us the Hunter Biden laptop wasn't true? Do you see the problem with what, what the Democrats and the Biden administration and administration, their corruption have done? We don't have any trust in any of these institutions. They've corrupted them all. So he writes this 5,000-word report about the attack. And Hirsch, Hirsch claims that diving experts, now they're not SEALs. That's important because SEALs have to actually report to the Gang of Eight. If, if we do a, a special operations mission in this country, it can't be done without someone in Congress being alerted to it, whether it's the Gang of Eight or somebody else. So if, by using these Navy divers, they were able to keep this knowledge, this, this mission amongst themselves, just high-level people in the Biden administration. So that's what he says. So they put these C4 explosives on this, this thing. Apparently, the big discussion, they were planning this for a long time, was that Biden just wanted to figure out, well, they wanted to make sure that their fingerprints weren't on this. That was their big concern. They wanted to cover it up like the balloon. But surprise, surprise, this didn't stay a secret. And this is the same guy who, who won the Pulitzer for writing about the company of American soldiers who murdered, I think it was 500 people, slaughtered men, women, children in the, 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 the town of My Lai in Vietnam. Horrific during the Vietnam War, what happened. And this guy wrote that, won a Pulitzer for it. And he's the one reporting on this. This isn't some schmuck. And I read this thing and... Let me tell you what the point really is, briefly. Basically, Europe, as long as they were getting cheap gas from Russia, they weren't interested in supporting Ukraine's effort against Russia in the war. Ukraine is a weak, puny military. I'm sorry to say it. Ukraine is a nothing military. They could be wiped out by Israel from Israel with, with Israel, Israeli rockets from Israel, is what I'm trying to say. Ukraine is... is, is you know, I know there's great people there. I'm not attacking the people. I'm just saying they're a very weak nation with an incapable military, as we're seeing. And so Biden wanted to go to war with Russia. He wanted to get the West and NATO and Germany and Europe, who depended on Russian gas, he wanted to give them a reason to send money, get involved in the war. So he destroyed this pipeline so that they wouldn't have cheap gas anymore. They'd be upset. They would need something again. So anyway, who, who wants the West to go to war? China. Why does China want the West to be embroiled in a war in Russia? Because as the captain pointed out on the clip just last episode about China, who wants us to be involved in two or three or four conflicts at one time so that we cannot sufficiently prevent their aggression, because we're too distracted, too tied up, too, too busy squabbling, divided. That's what's happening here. And so Biden apparently wants a war to start. This is huge. I mean, do people understand if this is true, that we just basically committed an act of war against Russia? Again, just ask yourself, what would we in the U.S. do? What should we do if Russia took out put C4, bombed one of our energy production centers. There was a source of income and revenue for this nation. 
war, war. That's where it goes. So I'm very, very afraid of this. The Biden administration's denying it. They're lying about it. We'll see. But I encourage you to go and find this guy. His name's um, Seymour Hirsch and read about it. All right. Uh, look, update real quick. Uh, I'm, I'm going out of town until next, uh, gosh, think come back on Monday. So I won't have a show uh, tomorrow. You'll have to listen to this three times to get you through the weekend. Um, but I'll be back with you shortly, and there'll be many things to update. So anyway, this is Drew Allen. This has been your Millennial Minister of Truth, keeping up my promise and oath to you to be straightforward and truthful. Somebody's got to do it. The media's not. But God bless you all, and until next time. Talk to my friend Drew Allen. I'll tell you what, he's a tough guy. A millennial conservative. I've, I've become a big fan of your writing. the great young thinkers of our time. Appreciate his opinion. Conservative Drew Allen. Has Drew died Allen. hard conservative. I look to this guy for wisdom.